You're listening to Season 4 of Views from the Bridge, your second favorite podcast about the Philadelphia Union. We are a part of the Beautiful Game Network. For soccer podcasts, writing, and any other content, visit bgn.fm. Let's get right to it. Do we want to be a good team, or do we want to be f***ing great? All right, welcome everybody to Views from the Bridge, your second favorite, I think, I hope, Philadelphia Union podcast. Um, And uh, if it's not even on your list, then maybe you're listening this time and we'll make your list. I don't know. Maybe. I'm Justin and uh, I have Chuck Booth with me. Chuck, how are you? Um, I am good. This fan that I have here is holding out for dear life as... It is still over 90 degrees in Baltimore at 6 p.m. Uh, yeah, it's about 94 in Lebanon, too. So I, it's, it is what it is. Um, and I'm on the third floor and hot as well. So um, that's okay, though. It's summer. Uh, speaking of summer and summer transfer windows, uh, we've got news of a Oh, around $30 million transfer from Brendan Aronson from Red Bull Salzburg to uh, to Leeds United in the Premier League after they finally clinched promotion or staying in the Premier League, I guess. Any thoughts on that, Chuck? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I like the move from, I mean, every perspective that you can think of. The only, I mean, the only thing that I'm slightly worried about which luckily Jesse Marsh can help with is just um, Brendan Aronson being American and costing potentially more money than he should have because 30 30 million could be an overpay, but it also could just be what he's worth right now. And at the end of the day, what you're worth is just what a club is willing to pay for you, whether you scored four goals or 40 goals. Yeah, I mean, the reality for me is Brendan's a player who's, like, on the upswing, right? Like, in every way imaginable. I mean, he obviously did well in MLS. He seems to be doing well in Austria. And now he's going to play for a coach who obviously wanted him in Austria and, you know, did well with him there. And so I think, yeah, I mean, I think it's a good move for him. I mean, I think... You know, like you said, too, I mean, Jesse will help with the transition to England. And then I think it helps that, like, more and more guys are dealing with this. You know, it's like Landon, you know, obviously Landon did a little, you know, Landon Donovan did a little bit, but, you know, not as much. But then Clint Dempsey dealt with it. Christian Pulisic's dealing with it. You know, yeah. Jesse Marsh is dealing with it. And so... There's there's more players who are dealing with the maybe a, against American bias in the Premier League, but and it's going to be. Re- I mean, I I really do want to see, and I hope that either myself or someone um, is able to ask, like in the lead up to um, the World Cup, just what the banter is like um, with mm-hmm. the U.S. and England being in the same group, and now. Um, Four Americans being in the Premier League, um, who are likely going to be on the World Cup roster. Who's the fourth one? Horvath. Oh yeah. 
Uh, <laughs> I was like, he counts. Sergeant Aronson. Where have I? Okay. Oh, um, uh, well, Robinson was the fourth for oh. um, actually um, being on the roster because, good lord, if Josh Sargent makes this roster. I guess Sargent might probably won't. Um, well, and do we, count, do we count Matt Turner yet? Oh, shit. Well, damn it. Is, no, is I, he gonna? It's is funny. I named, gonna be? I named. I named one goalkeeper, and all three are in the Premier League. Yes, is Stefan? Well, are either of them going to be in the Premier League come November? Uh, Stefan, hopefully not. Turner, I've actually come come to terms with because I realized with Arsenal making it into Europa League that he would probably start their Europa League games. Oh yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I just, I mean, I think overall, I mean, I think probably one of the better pieces of news, I guess, is that out of the $30 million or out of that transfer fee, uh, the Philadelphia Union will get about $5 million of that. Um, that's a good piece of business considering basically the combined cost of your last two big transfers between... Cosdog and Ure, you're getting about the same amount there. Um, I mean, honestly, doesn't it cover their transfer fees and most of their salaries? It probably does, actually. <laughs> I don't know exact number. I forget the exact numbers on those transfers, but yeah, I mean, when you think about, yeah, because because Gazdog's, Gazdog's not a designated player, right? And I guess when you bring like. I guess in, in like when you think about Brendan and even Mark's transfers out, you know, a lot of that money you want to put back into the academy to keep producing players like that. But then um, when you think about, oh, you get an extra five mil for Brendan, that can be potentially some of that at least could be put back into your team uh, going forward. And we, I guess we could take time later at least later this summer talking about how we think they should spend that five million dollars uh but come the summer maybe because we just keep talking about this but come the summer we might get another uh transfer fee haul in uh one kai wagner maybe also ending up playing for jesse marsh at leeds united uh but it seems like half of europe wants this guy too but won't actually make an offer so yeah, I mean, I Who do. Knows? Yeah, I do hope that he lines with Leeds, but with mid-table Bundesliga clubs coming in um, as well, it's it's going to be interesting. Because um, crap, who were the other two that entered? Was it was it Hoffenheim or Hertha? Because I know it's one of the H clubs, and then uh, Stuttgart was the other one. I remember Stuttgart, but yeah, I can't think of who. yeah, yeah, not not there. Please not there. <laughs> not there. Please don't go there. But I guess it's, you know, it's a big, uh, it could be a decent sized transfer fee if he ends up going, you know, who knows. But uh, it was Hertha. Um, so, I mean, that could be another nice little haul, I guess. I'm more worried about that one from the union perspective of actually replacing the uh, that oh, production on the field. Uh, 
Do we have to talk about that? I mean, no, we no, don't have to talk uh, about no, it. I'm just no, saying. But yes, no, you're you're right because I mean, literally, I think probably about seventy five percent of the chances that the union create come off of Kai Wagner's foot. Um, if if it's from open play or a set play, because um, Daniel Gosdog has been taking more of a role in chance creation, but this midfield doesn't create much of anything. And then Nathan Harriel doesn't either. So we're really a one man monopoly. I think, I mean, I actually think the number two chance creator on the union, and I'm not looking at stats right now, so I may be wrong, but it's Julian Carranza. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised by that this season, I guess. So yeah, so uh, yeah, losing uh, losing Wagner, it would suck a lot, and I don't think yeah. we can keep a hold of him. Yeah, and I guess you like. I mean, thinking about it, you have that money, right? You have Aronson's money. You have then you'll have Wagner's money. So you do have money to go out and find a replacement, whether you do that in the midfield or you do that somewhere else. But you do that, you you have the money to go out and find a replacement. But can you find a replacement that come in to comes in in the summer and actually like makes a difference before the end of the season? Because that has seemed to be the issue with chance creators, playmakers on this union roster is they come in in the summer, they do okay, but not great, and we see glimpses of it for half a season, and then they have their full off season, and then they start really making a difference. So, have so, the Union, like, ever had a mid-season signing that, you know, was good in their in that first half season? Because I can't, I can't think of one, and I know, I mean, usually it literally is just I mean, tens and strikers coming in. If you... If you, I mean, if you think about the first five, six, eight games that he was there, I don't know that Dodge Call made that big of a difference. But I think towards the end of the season, the last five to ten games of this, five to six games of the season, like he really did come on. But still, if you look yeah. at his whole time, yeah, that, that's the the unit, same, it's not yeah. great. And that's the same thing but, with God's dog because it was like at the beginning, it's was almost like, why did we sign this guy? even though he had played, like, a million minutes in Hungary. Um, and then during the end of the season, getting into the playoff run, he really hit his stride and then was off and running. But it's still just that first couple of months was rough. Yeah, and so you wonder if that's different. Like, if we would go find an impact left back, you know, if 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 Wagner goes, if you go find a left back who – is that a little bit different than signing a 10 or a striker? Maybe, I don't know. But you do worry about the chemistry of the back five, six, you know, whatever you want to talk about um, in the way that they've been starting basically every game to this point. And then you lose Wagner and have to, like, come up with a whole new back system. You know, I don't know. It could be interesting. Jacob Clusters to midfield. <laughs> No, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm joking, obviously, um, but that's kind of where we are in chance creation, which we've, isn't we 
isn't really an issue just based on how the team has been working right now and they are fine but will be an issue if they can't replace kai we've already tried the center back to midfield transition yeah but we tried the wrong one there's a reason why he played midfield in college and then moved to center back and then (laughs) stayed there okay I guess you're right. You're probably a little smarter than me when it comes to this anyway. You're the guy who actually writes about soccer professionally. Um. <laughs> well, the, come to all that being said, uh, it'll be, it, in any case, no matter what, uh, it's going to be an interesting, I think it's going to be an interesting summer season um, in what seems to, you know, whether... Kai comes and goes, and then what happens with the Brendan money, you know, who never knows. Um, so I think it's going to be pretty interesting to see, like, what what happens in that case. Well, uh, we have four games to talk about, um, which Do is we? a long... Well, we have three games to talk about and one to score to skip over. Um, so... Uh, I guess let's. I I want to I want to actually start this with a disclaimer because it will okay. be very important in going through these games. <laughs> Any game that we don't lose that Julian Carranza does not play in is a bonus game. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I didn't think of that, but that's uh, absolutely true. And just that literally just getting that out there makes everything we're about to go through a lot easier. You're you're right. If we get that out there and we say this is this is the baseline, what happens? <laughs> uh, then you're probably right about that. So um I'm trying to even figure out these games have been so long ago, I'm even trying to figure out who scored goals and all that kind of stuff. But uh there we weren't started many. After the um, after the uh, slowly sliding out of the Open Cup loss to uh, Orlando City, uh, the Union came home and got fell into something a one-one draw <laughs> to New York Red Bull. Uh, I don't oh, know. Yeah, how to say oh, it. I don't yeah. know. How no, to say I, f- it. I forgot. Actually, I forgot all about that game. I was starting with the next one. Um, I mean, I don't... Honestly, I don't have many problems with the the Red Bull game because, like, that one honestly started off, I think, what what, did, what was it? New York hit the post, like, mm-hmm. twice within the first couple of minutes. Like, it was very similar to the Nashville point um, where it's just, like kind of you're playing a really good team. Um, You would have liked to perform better against 10 men. Um, But as we all know, and like literally I'm pretty sure you put in our group chat during the game, it was just like, as soon as the um, Red Bull went down to 10, the game was basically over. (laughs) Yeah. 
and that was my I mean that was my big thing with this game. I thought the union played well. Um and maybe in a weird way, kind of like lost steam toward the end of the game, and that—that's sort of what allowed Lakinia um, to get, you know, the New York goal in the second half. And but it was, you know, it was, you know, it was we—I I don't know. I mean, the Union got a second goal, but it got taken off the board for offside. You know, I think. It, it was a good match. It's just unfortunate. I mean, my biggest problem with it, and I think why I put this in the chat, was, like, it's just frustrating at this point. Like, that anytime you see the Union go down to 10, it or the Union go up a man and the other team go down to 10, it doesn't feel like we... It doesn't feel like the Union have that, like, that next gear. Yeah, and, and it, it was... doesn't feel like they can put it into overdrive and say, like, let's go put the, you know our foot on the gas and like beat this team. And it's just like, well, we can hang on to our lead maybe, but Oh, Nope. We give up a goal. And now we have 20 minutes or 10 minutes to 30 minutes, 20 minutes to, you know, 20 minutes to score again. But it's like, why can't we just put our foot down and like win the game? You know, I don't know. And with, and I mean, and like, yes, Mikel Ura wasn't available for this game, but you also should need him at home. Um, And it was just also taking that game coupled with the frustration of heavy rotation in the Open Cup loss. um, It it was just like, come on, like y'all mortgaged everything to win this game and drew. Yeah. It wasn't like, yeah, and it's, again, it's not like I'm mad about the game. I think the game was fine. I don't think the Union played terribly in the game. It wasn't like they were tired. It wasn't like they were sloppy all that much. It was, and anytime you play the Red Bulls, it's going to be, it's going to be end-to-end stuff, and it's going to be a crazy game, and it's going to be physical, and, and it was. But I thought they played well despite all of that, and... It's just frustrating that they couldn't put the second, third, even fourth goal on the board when it seems like every other team in MLS can do that. Like, as soon as a team goes down a man, they put their, you know, they have this second gear that they can get to and just destroy a team, you know? And it, it just and feels like you don't have that. I mean, and for this, for this specific game, I mean, I honestly put that on the midfield. Um, yeah. And basically, it's one that goes down to Jim Curtin as well because the first sub in that game was Jack McGlynn coming in in the 70th minute. Um, At that point, you had already been up a man for 15 minutes and now got drawn because Lacunas had already scored by then. Like, why wasn't that sub made at the 60th when you're chasing a second goal and you know you don't need three defensively-minded midfielders on the field because there's nothing to legitimately defend against? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I will say, just looking at the recap article for this game, I'd forgotten. The, The union goal in this game was one of the prettiest of the season, for sure, though. 
Uh, you know, Gazdag plays a little one-two with Santos, and Santos puts it right back in his path, and he's able to just to hit strike it home, kind of with nobody on him because he kind of passed his defender at that point. That was super pretty, and it shows how good these guys can be at times. I just wish we'd see it a little more consistently, but it at least it at least shows they can be good for sure. Definitely, for sure. Um. It's not a bad it, it's not a bad result and I think like contextually um you ha- you have to look at how many games you know and I think we talked about this in our last pod as we were trying to decide what we wanted out of these next these games that we're talking about tonight um you know I think contextually you look at it and with how many games we played in May um the fact that we're still sitting first in the east or close to it and we only won, I think, what, one game all month? Um, but we only lost one game all month, I think, too. So, like, it's not it's not bad results. It's not terrible results. It's not the best results, but it's not terrible results either. Um, and now you just have kind of have to come back from the break and, like, get on your horse a little bit. But let's just keep talking about these games, I guess. And the one we probably don't need to talk about because nothing really happened, uh, the Union went to Miami. I think went to Miami, or did we play that one at home too? That was at home. That was that, was, that was at home. That's what made that one even worse. Uh, played Miami at home. Um, unfortunately, a lot of squad rotation here because Jose Martinez was not available, and uh, Julian Carranza is oh yeah a Miami player, so <laughs> he also could not play. Um, so Jack Elliott play defensive midfield in this game and there was some rotation yeah and it didn't it was not good i have i mean two main takeaways from this one because one i mean jim Curtin did say that he got jack elliott in midfield wrong because he apparently expected miami to do something um which is giving way too much credit to them because they don't do anything. And this game seems to have been the final nail in the coffin of Corey Burke being asked to play significant minutes. Hopefully. I really really hope so. But at least what happened after it makes me believe that this is a turning point because we've don't need to see him for really any more than 20 minutes ever in a league match. Yeah. It clearly just didn't. I mean, this lineup clearly (laughs) did not work. And when you're missing two, two, and if you count, you rate three of your best players. I I mean, it's tough to put (laughs) put a really great lineup out on the field. But when two of your strikers can only play 60 minutes at best and you're having to play them both, it's not going to be pretty. Well, what's funny is the fact that this the, the team took 20 shots in the game. Yes. Um, and, yes, a few of those were good saves, but, like, just every every shot was just – down the middle. Down the middle. Why? Down the middle. Like, yeah. 
Um, so it it's like, yeah, chances were being created, but like you have to put them somewhere. Oh, you do? <laughs> you have to actually put them on frame? Yeah, I mean, it just wasn't a pretty game. It, it's unf- What I guess is frustrating to me about... It feels like there's a little bit of... Uh, maybe a uh, Miami being the Achilles heel of this team. I don't, I don't know how to say that, but I think like it feels like we just play worse against Miami for some reason. Even though we did take a lot of shots, you're right, we did. We had pressure, and we seemed to take that into the next game and just get better results from it. But it's just, yeah, it's just frustrating. No, I mean, like, yeah, look, like looking back. Looking back at this game, the stats make this game look a lot better than it looked watching this game. Yes, for sure. For sure. Because nothing that the Union were doing seemed slightly dangerous. Um, and that's kind of why it was a draw, because Miami literally did nothing, and then the Union did nothing in return. And that's how you get to a nil-nil draw. Yeah, I mean, at this point, there's two teams that I really just dread the Union playing, and it's Columbus and Miami. And it's just, it's it's not because, yeah, I, it's just like Miami just feels frustrating most of the time, and Columbus is always just going to be, there's never any flow to those games. They're never pretty games. They're just grinded out games against Columbus. And so it's just, those are two like frustrating teams. And, and you guys have talked about Montreal too, kind of being the third one to that trio of teams that we just can't seem to like <laughs> play well against, but it's just frustrating. I think what's frustrating about that Miami game is when you looked at all the other MLS games throughout the season, like, or throughout the month of May, like, Nashville, it was 1-1, but it was a pretty fun game to watch. LAFC was 2-2, but it was a pretty fun game to watch. New York was New York, and it's always interesting, but it seems it's always a little bit more interesting to me when we play New York. And then it's like, and then we play against Miami and have this draw, and it's, that's the one that felt the yep. most frustrating I mean, to me. Because because it was literally, if you, if you said... Pick one game that's a lock for three points. Any one game. <laughs> it's this one. Yeah. And yep, it was a draw. Yep. Yep. For sure. We can leave that game in the past. Uh, then uh, yeah. last weekend, uh, the one game that we were all talking about, how we didn't think we were going to get points. Although I think I'm... I'll give credit to Paul because I'm pretty sure Paul in the pre to this said, I think we're going to win in Portland. And we, I, I think you and I were both like, I don't think so, man. And, uh, yeah, I was expecting to behold, the Philadelphia union walk out to Portland and, uh, walk over Portland pretty, pretty fairly easily. Take care of the timbers <laughs> to nothing. It's a pretty easy game. I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was, the, I mean, it's probably fair to say that was the best game the Union have played all season. Yeah, 
Uh, yeah, just literally the same lineup as usual, but only with William Carranza on the field and poof. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, it helps to, like, I mean, it definitely, not that the Union have been able to keep their leads all season long, but I think it helps, too, when you jump on a team on the road four minutes into the game. I mean, I think that's just, like, the crowd's into it at that point, everything else, and you, God's dog, decides, ah, I'm going to get on my bike and just uh, put this one in the back of the net. Um, That'll, like, silence a crowd pretty quickly. Yeah, and then then we spend the whole first half clamoring for a second goal that doesn't come. But it's okay because Jim Curtin talked to them at halftime and then immediately right after the half, Sergio Santos scores and that's game over. Um, I mean, I, I feel like, unfortunately, there's another union game where I have more to say about the referees than I have to say about the actual game because I still don't understand and haven't seen... Because, like, at least, like, I know for a lot of things, like, Pro has been more transparent than normal this year, but I still haven't seen an actual reasoning behind why Carranza got his yellow card that saw him suspended for New England. Yeah, it was not a, it was not a good call. Yeah, and... And Jim Curtin's um, widely heard quote to the referee of, because you can't control the game, my guy gets a yellow, um, just says everything you need to know, especially when this team, is it two or three apologies that they've gotten so far this season when it came to players who should have been sent off and were not? It's definitely two. I don't know if it's three yet, but it's, yeah, I mean, and they're probably, yeah, there probably should have been a red in this game too, but it just, it's frustrating. Yeah, it, it is frustrating when you think like, man, we played a good game. We won the game pretty handily. You know, it's like at halftime, yeah, like you said, at halftime, they, you know, it seemed like Curtin brought the team out in a good space and just said like, hey, you guys need to go win this game. And they, they went and did. Um you know, and then I think the 70th minute goal that was called for offside was kind of the final nail in the Timbers coffin in the sense that they never seemed to be able to get themselves up after that. Um, that seemed to be pretty demoralizing for them. But it, it definitely felt like in this game, and I think anytime you have Diego Chara on the field. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, your whole goal is just physicality, right? Like, and it felt like that's just what the Timbers were doing like just how many times can we hit slide elbow you know whatever it is any of the guys on the union and luckily the union were pretty good about how they responded to those things but it's just frustrating when that seems to be the the name of the game for a the opposing team and then one little thing happens on our side it's like oh there's a yellow that's gonna get yeah you know, the, I mean the the Diego Chara Jose Martinez midfield battle um, was literally a battle, um, and I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty surprised that one blood wasn't shed, and two, no one got a red card, because I definitely thought I mean 
arguably Chara should have had a red card, but I feel like you can argue that with almost every game that he's ever played in in his very long career in this league. It's, it's not an odd thing to say about Chara, for sure. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, like literally just very good game from top to bottom. Um, He even got Corey Burke in the game at just cleanup duty for playing as fresh legs to only play defense, which is kind of the only thing that he can do well. And um, more minutes for Paxson Aronson. Yeah, I mean... It's been nice to see, I mean, throughout this whole stretch of games, I guess, even since the Orlando game, it's been nice to see some of the kids on the field even more. And speaking of that, uh, we move into the last game of this four-game stretch, a 1-1 draw against New England. (laughs) What a surprise, a 1-1 draw against New England. Uh, But Paxton Aronson actually gets the start in this game, so that was fun to see uh any thoughts on your uh (laughs) new england uh i will take this as one point gained instead of two points lost and i i mean i don't know how new england um messed this game up because i mean good lord they they just threw it basically um i mean the the penalty that Gustavo Bowes scored was it was I mean it was a fair penalty and it's just one of those things that you kind of create by the fact that they were overrunning the Union for the entire game, uh, which part of that does unfortunately go to Paxton Aronson, um, not for really any fault of his own, but just being a young kid in an unfamiliar position and not knowing the pressing cues that the entire team knows. And that's why I kind of was surprised that he actually started as a striker instead of moving Daniel Gazdag up and playing him in a more natural position. But, like, I do at least just give Jim Curtin credit for trying something, even if it didn't necessarily work. And it's just good to get him those minutes in games that actually matter in, I guess, technically New England's a hostile environment, even though they don't have fans in the stadium, really. I mean, I feel like it's a hostile environment to play New England. (laughs) (laughs) Bruce Arena creates hostile environments. Um, (laughs) No, I mean, like you said, I think this is is definitely one point gained instead of two points lost. I mean, I felt like the yeah, it definitely felt like the union got away with one, right? You know, and I think that that's, I mean, it's frustrating. Again, well, I mean, New, again, it's frustrating. This the whole union month didn't even, the union didn't even really get away with one. New England gave them one because that's true. That's true. Good Lord. Um, I don't know if Oral score an easier goal at his career than what he was given, <laughs> which, yeah, he's yeah, but back. No, no way to get your striker back on form than give him an easy one like that in his first game back. Oh, about. yeah. And especially since, like, now he'll come out of the international break with being healthy and um, slotting right back in next to Carranza, who was suspended for stupid stuff because of pro. 
Of course. Of course. Yeah, it definitely, you know, this is kind of the, uh, I guess this is kind of the opposite of, of the game several weeks ago, you know, Miami, where they have 20 shots and don't seem to score. I mean, that's kind of what New England, <laughs> that's kind of what New England did in this game is like they, you know, I think they had 22 shots or something like that. And somehow they didn't score a second one either. And so I think like, yeah, I mean, you have to, you have to kind of take it for what it is. Um, and your whole goal as an MLS club, or is really just a soccer club in general, is to win on the win at home and, and draw on the road. And the Union have been successful in doing that this month, you know, other than a couple draws at home. But they're not losing either. So, I don't know. I'm not complaining too much. I wish we got a few more points out of this stretch. But overall, I'm not going to complain too much about the... No, I mean, definitely. It's one of those things where if... Like, if you said that at this point of the season, the Union would have one loss, I would take it. I mean, I don't I don't particularly care kind of how they got there, but they have one loss. They've allowed the joint fewest goals in all of MLS. Um, unfortunately, the team that has allowed um, the same amount of goals has a slightly better uh, attack than them in unfortunately, NYCFC. But also, you have to remember that NYCFC doesn't count as long as they are playing home games on not one, but two baseball fields. Yeah, yeah. For sure. I mean, and that's where that's where this whole month, you know, I feel like there was a lot of consternation in the middle. There was a lot of consternation. I don't feel like. There was a lot of consternation in the middle of the month. Um losing your open cup game. But I think when you like when you take this whole month, you're playing good teams in Nashville and LAFC. You're playing a good team in New York Red Bull, kinda no matter what their stats say. You you know, yes, you have the game against um Miami, but at that point you have your defensive midfielder suspended and your best striker can't play because of being owned by the other team. Um and then, you know, you have another game in the month where, you know, again, Carranza can't play because of a stupid yellow card. And, you know, so, like, you have to, you know, and then Ure being out a good portion of the month. I think all of that put together, you know, I think the union did well for getting through the, the hecticness of a busy month with all of those things. Definitely. But on top of and, them. Well, and, and and not even just a busy month. That was the busiest month in Union history. Right. Like, they have never and hopefully will never play that many games in a month again. Um, it's ridiculous. Uh, MLS should never schedule anything like that. Like, I don't, I don't, I still don't understand, like, why they had to do that when they very easily could have put like a midweek game earlier in the season before open cup came around or pushed one later in the season. Like it does, it still doesn't make much sense. Cause it's not even like the union were playing like teams that went deep into CONCACAF champions league. So like there, there wasn't 
a real reason for these games being when they were than just because reasons. Um, so, like, now going into the international break and then being able to come out of that with basically all of your hardest games that you would play this season behind you, they could be back in first with sole possession and then some by the end of June. Yeah, and I think the other thing in that, despite it also being busy, and I'm trying to figure out who tweeted this so I could actually give them credit. Um, I think but it. I, I, I think I, it was Matt I, to George. Yeah. Well. Um. Yeah. Because I I originally saw it like through the the brotherly game. I don't I, remember what it was, but it was saying that they like just this month they've traveled like fourteen thousand miles oh, or something. Yeah. That that one and they yeah and they tra- that that yeah the miles traveled and then to the was the George. And yeah. then the rest of the month, I or the rest of the season, not the rest, not next month, the rest of the season, they travel twelve thousand miles. So they've traveled more this month than they will the entire rest of the season. And I think that tells you something. Okay, like we got through this, you know, we got through this section of the season without giving away more points than what we could, you know, because it would have been very easy to give away a lot of points from here. Um, So I think it's, I mean, I think it's good that they just got through you know, this section of the season. Now, I think what you have to do is you have to take this international break, kind of regroup, figure out where you are as a club, figure out where your players are, get Carranza and, and Ure healthy, um, you know, and then you and then you move forward into the rest of the season. And hopefully you're able to kick it in with only, what, two, maybe three games in June. Um, and then you, you know, you go from there into your biggie, busier August and September knowing that you're going to be done with the season by November. So I think it's, you know, I think it's important that we kind of figure it out um, here. And it's probably good that we had this stretch now uh, because you have a chance to kind of re, you know, catch your breath for the rest of the season. Um, And coming out of this, you won't have the kids due to um, U20 commitments. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you have two weeks to figure that, you know, you have two or three weeks to figure that out. So, um, you know, the union don't play again until the 18th of June. And so, you know, you've got almost three weeks to kind of figure this out, Definitely. Figure out what you're going to do, what your rotation's going to be. Um, but then again, you only have two or three games for the rest of the month. So you shouldn't have to rotate too much. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's going to be a good opportunity for the union to kind of figure things out. The break probably couldn't come at a better time. And so you just have to figure out where you are from here. Um, And like, plus guys will be staying in guys should be staying. A lot of your guys should be staying in fitness over the next month or over the next couple of weeks. Um, I don't know that I have the official list or all the call-ups, but Blake obviously gets a Jamaica call-up. Jose Martinez gets his Venezuela call-up. Olivia and Paizo gets your Cameroon call-up. Um, you have the U-20s. Uh, God's Dog gets his Hungry call-up, I think. Did I hear that right? Um, I think. But, yeah, I don't – I mean, ba- basically, most – I mean, most of them 
are just playing in like their respective nations, like Nations League games or like lower tier competitions. Like I don't, I don't think anyone has like the U.S. gauntlet of potentially needing to play in four games over this um, international break because. Yeah. So I think it's, you know, it's good to see these guys in, you know, they're not going to be sitting around for um, two or three weeks, whatever. They're going to be playing and um, hopefully coming back in a good place and coming back with some good experience and all that. So it should be should be a good break. Hopefully, the like I said, hopefully they'll be able to figure some stuff out over the next couple of weeks and come back in a strong place and maybe uh maybe over the next couple of weeks we'll record like a half season wrap-up show or something <laughs> i don't know yeah no we need uh, to do something we'll we need we definitely need to do something because we're preparing for basically what's the philadelphia derby in facing pat noonan ray gaddis Harris Medunian and, and FC Cincinnati. So if like we we do have to act like we're basically required as a Philadelphia Union podcast to do something proper ahead of that game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, the June schedule, the Union uh, are at home against uh, FC Cincinnati uh, on the 18th. A week later, they play. Uh, that other team from New York, um, the blue one, the blue team from New York, uh, but and not then, on a baseball field, but not on a baseball field. So we have the whole, the, an actual soccer pitch to play on. Uh, and then three nights later, four nights later, something like that. They play Chicago out in Chicago. Uh, so it'll be a quick, quick turnaround of those games. But again, you're coming off a three week break. So hopefully, we'll be able to figure out some stuff and uh, get an easy win against Cincinnati. Maybe grind uh, one out against. Well, I, I, I don't, don't let's, let's not call Sensi an easy win anymore. It's not easy. Um, Nothing's easy in this. League. Well, they, they score a lot of goals. They do score a lot of goals. They can see a lot also, of goals though. So we also stop a lot of goals. Yeah, but so, I'm I'm hoping that them conceding a lot of goals outweighs them scoring a lot of goals, and then the Union win. We'll see. So that's kind of that's kind of what we're looking at, and then you know it kind of kicks back in in July and August and September. So um, we'll see kind of what lies a lies ahead. But uh, lots of uh, September's not busy actually. September's only three games, um, but July and August are busy. We only have to go 12,000 miles in that stretch. So. <laughs> Maybe it'll be better. Anyway, anything else, Chuck, you want to say about the Union and this stretch of games or anything else? Hopefully whoever buys Kai Wagner loans him back for the rest of the season, even though that's very unlikely. Yeah, that would be good. <laughs> it would be nice, for sure. Well... That's about it from us. Like I said, we'll probably record another episode between now and Cincinnati. Uh, otherwise, enjoy your international break. Enjoy League of Nations and whatever other games are happening. And uh, 
the rest of the season's coming. Anyway, this has been Views from the Bridge. Hope you guys have a great week. See ya. You have just listened to an episode of Season 4 of Views from the Bridge. You can find us all over the internet, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at VFTBPod. Thanks to our sponsors, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. We're also sponsored by Robbie over at Icarus FC. Icarus will make the custom kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Get started at IcarusFC.com. Do you enjoy the show and want to support us? There are two ways. You can head to Design Tree at dsgntree.com slash VFTB for all of our latest merch. Or you can just buy us a coffee or beer at Ko-Fi, ko-fi.com slash VFTBpod. Thanks for your listening and your support. Views from the Bridge is also a podcast of the Beautiful Game Network at bgn.fm. Head over there to find all kinds of soccer, writing, content, and other podcasts. For Evan Villela, Chuck Booth, and Paul Catrino, I'm Justin Ashcraft, signing off.